Good morning and greetings from the land of 11 federally recognized nations, or as everyone else calls it, Wisconsin. I am doing fantastic, and I sincerely hope everyone else is as well. What was so much going on in the world today, I was hoping that maybe, just maybe, we could spend a little time together and just kick around a few ideas and debate some of the things that are going on in our nation. Just focus on our little bit of the world and see if together we can't move the ball down the field just a tad bit. First off, I just want to say thank you to those of you who spend some of your valuable time listening to the podcast. Time being the second most important gift the Creator has bestowed upon us, it's important to me that I respect your decision to listen and deliver the highest quality entertainment that I can provide at this point in my professional life. I really enjoy the feedback I receive from all of you, so please continue to send those thoughts to me. And if anyone has any criticisms or ideas, feel free to send them this way so that I can do better and make better use of your time. This 118th United States Congress is, historically speaking now, one of the least productive congressional sessions in history. And that's saying something, mister. There is and has been precious little legislation passed this time around. Now, this has made me think about our own Ho-Chunk Nation's government in general, and our legislature in particular. In the past several years, exactly what has the Ho-Chunk Nation's legislature accomplished? The U.S. Congress is stuck in a partisan logjam where the Democrats and the Republicans simply refuse to work across the aisle to solve the nation's problems, or even work on them, really. The reasons for this are inconsequential to my little diatribe here. Let's just say that it has to do with money, ideology, personal and institutional power. But in our nationally hyperpartisan environment, I get it and I have to live with it. This doesn't give our elected Congress a pass for near total legislative inactivity. And let's not confuse activity with productivity. A lot of our federal political leadership are super busy, what with committee meetings, fact-finding missions, meetings with and pandering to all the different lobbyists, running to microphones and cameras to give canned messages. Many of our leaders are busy, busy, busy. Now that doesn't mean that they're being productive, just means they're busy. No, in this severely divided political environment where the general constituency seems to be at a complete impasse along with our politicians, politically speaking, doing nothing is the safest and wisest political thing out there. So yeah, I get it. Congress is paralyzed. But what is the Ho-Chunk Nation's legislature excuse for not passing any meaningful legislation? or demonstrating any vision or leadership. It's not like we have opposing political parties locked in a death struggle. 
We're basically all on the same side. The legislature's constituency largely being apathetic. And in this world of apathy, wouldn't that be a perfect time to forge onward with meaningful initiatives to advance the fortunes of the nation? Hey, I know I'm way out over my skis here, but here's one crazy idea I'd like to advance. Gather around a speaker here. Think separating business from government so that the nation's financial fortunes and its peoples could flourish. I realize that our Section 17 Corporation, 12 clans, yeah, the outfit with all the professional business people whose only job it is is to make money for the Ho-Chunk Nation, had another meeting with the owner's reps and sadly asked for more money for the nation's marijuana dispensary and grow operation in Southland. Unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on your stance on the marijuana operation, the legislature said no. The legislature said 12 clans was asking for way too much money to make a serious go at the venture. Now, someone else proposed doing basically the same thing for one-third of the cost. I have opposed this type of thinking since the inception of this podcast, and privately way before this. If you want to create and operate a business on your own, I will back you 100%. If you put all your money into your dream, your house, you max out your credit cards, and you work 20 hours a day, 10 days a week, trying to make your dream a reality, God love you. But if you come in as a legislature with zero business acumen, and you know somebody who knows someone in the business, and you want the whole chunk nation to back your friend's friend, yeah, I got to say no. And I hope everyone in the legislature along with everyone else in the nation says no. Twelve clans is a huge step in the right direction on separating business from government. And even though the president and the legislature fail to see this at the present time, time's going to prove them both wrong. Getting back to the governance of our nation and our legislature's inactivity. In my perusal of legislative meeting minutes, I see nothing of substance. The minutes seem to reflect a legislature that simply skims through the obligatory agenda and adjourns with only a few hours of constitutionally required meeting. The minutes would suggest they are simply going through the motions, as it were. Now, as a quick aside, I suggested that our legislature is a part-time job, but repeatedly I've been shouted down by legislators and former legislators and family members of said legislators only to see these legislators working side jobs and going to school. I want to make a point here. There is absolutely nothing wrong with getting certification, advanced degrees, and working a second job. I personally applaud the effort. However, if there is time for advanced degrees and second jobs, shouldn't there be quite a bit of legislative activity going on? I hear a lot of rumors, and I report some, and others I disregard after I've made some phone calls. But the rumor du jour that I've heard from various sources is that the legislature is contemplating pay raises for themselves and the president. And to tell you the honest truth, I, for one, would be completely on board with this proposal if I was seeing results. The truth is I'm not seeing results that warrant pay raises. And seeing as how we all want open government, 
wouldn't legislative pay raises along with an executive pay raise be walked through legislative area meetings a couple times? Just to see how the local Ho-Chunk citizenry would react. More than likely, it was just water cooler talk and someone overheard a couple of legislators shooting a breeze and things got out of hand. So, getting back to our legislators and the work they are doing that is not being reported. Look harder, you say. Open your eyes, you say. Okay. When I read the Bodak, I don't see headlines ablaze sporting new legislative or presidential initiatives. I haven't seen grand new openings of businesses, casinos, projects, or endeavors of any sort with our Judah. I don't see any postings online from the legislature or the public relations, the president's public relations teams sharing info on the new ideas or legislation that that's been created and passed. But, to be fair, a lot of their work, the legislature's work, could be all being done in executive session. And I'm just not seeing any of the work or results because of all the people spying on our nation. We're crafty like that. Remember, though, we have to protect ourselves from nefarious individuals and organizations who want to steal all of our ideas and creative activities. But even if this was the case, wouldn't all the Ho-Chunk people be basking in the rewards of this secret work? No, no. Our legislature is acting much like the 118th Congress, and for all intents and purposes, they're accomplishing the same exact thing. Nothing. Bubkiss. Nada. The inactivity of our legislature is magnified by some research I've been doing lately on the realm of the Beloit Casino. What in the heck is going on with it? Is it going to happen? Or is this some fantasy the nation keeps walking towards until one day we wake up to the reality that we've all been chasing a mirage perpetuated to keep us from having to deal with the fact that this is something that was never going to happen? I get that. Realistically, we elect people that are ill-equipped to formulate and enact laws. But 12 out of the 13 legislatures, legislators ran on the abstract message of helping their people. Now, might that help include improving the financial lot of our people? Adding another casino to the six we currently operate just might provide the financial resources to genuinely help the people. So what's going on with uh, the Beloit Casino? A quick walk down memory lane would reveal that Governor Evers gave his concurrence to a Beloit Casino in March of 2021. I would have thought that that was a signal that the Beloit Casino would be a reality and that the nation should begin substantive, earnest planning. That's not somebody's name. That's something we should have been doing. This matter was referred back to the BIA for reasons that should have been explained to the Ho-Chunk people. And perhaps it was, but it was done so in executive session. And it's one of those secrets that, uh, that other tribes and business want in on. But we are wise enough not to share with anyone. And that includes the Ho-Chunk people who elected our legislators. Now with the BIA giving its blessings to the project in May of 2022 and the governor having issued his concurrence, the matter of BIA approval would have been all but a foregone conclusion. This lag time, if you will, gave the nation 14 months to plan. 
but internally we weren't ready. First, there were the Ho-Chunks who opposed to Beloit being our fourth casino site. There are zero customers down on Beloit, they said. Beloit was and is not Ho-Chunk ancestral land, which if you do any research, you see that it is. Many Ho-Chunks wanted the next casino up on the Minnesota-Wisconsin uh, state line area. Can you say Hudson? And finally, we didn't want to spend money on a new facility when our present facilities needed upgrading and we were going through the comp and class situation with our employees. Now, there was no way that the nation could have predicted that it would have taken 14 months for the BIA to ultimately approve the land and the trust application. But the signals were readily clear that this initiative was a foregone conclusion and that planning for a casino should have been set in motion long before. In my mind, Governor Evers' concurrence of March of 2021 should have triggered a flurry of planning in the very likely chance that final approval from the BA would be granted. That's 14 months to finalize the design, 14 months to iron out our compact language, 14 months of lining up financing, 14 months of developing a recruitment plan, 14 months of planning for groundbreaking, 14 months for planning for what was a clear inevitability. Instead, the BIA gave its final approval in May of 2022, and the nation was inexcusably caught flat-footed with zero plans, to the people's knowledge. Once again, secret squirrel stuff with the legislation notwithstanding they could have been planning stuff, we don't know. Now, if the nation, read legislature, had been prepared, May of 2022 would have triggered a groundbreaking it would have taken the construction of this project one year to become operational, even if it was just a temporary structure, like the restaurant in Rockford set up by the Seminole, or the tent in Waukegan set up by Full House Resorts from Vegas. By May of 2023, the nation would have been earning millions of dollars to, quote, help their people, unquote. Now, the Seminole wasted little time establishing a temporary casino upon receiving Illinois Gaming Board approval. Their casino revenues jumped 32% from the end of 2022 to the end of calendar year 2023. Their little 600-machine temporary casino earned $69 million in 2023 while they were building their massive permanent casino just off the interstate in Rockford. For a reference point, for a reference point the nation's uh, Black River Falls Casino contains about uh, 600 machines. And I don't even want to know what the property earns. Uh, to be honest, you're right. It's not a fair market comparison. But I just wanted to put 600 machines, 600 machines. The Hard Rock uh, Rockford Casino is set to have their soft opening on Labor Day 2024, just over eight months away. Now, the temporary in Waukegan, a tent brings in more customers than all but two of the 13 established casinos in Illinois. And it's in the top half for gross adjusted revenue. It's collecting an average of $7.5 million a month in monthly adjusted gross revenue, or $87.5 million in 11 months. And, that's right, it's a tent. And the Seminole are waiting on a federal government to greenlight the proposed casino and hotel in Kenosha. 
they have publicly stated, let me repeat that, publicly stated that they are hoping to break ground at the end of 2024. They haven't even been given federal approval yet, and they have a website, and they're talking groundbreaking. That tells me that they're working hard behind the scene on lining up financing, planning, and construction. I ask again, where is the Ho-Chunk Nation's casino in Beloit? The Seminole established a casino market 17.6 miles away from the nation's proposed Beloit casino site. They are on track to open what is sure to be a state-of-the-art hard rock casino in less than eight months. To the knowledge of the people of the Ho-Chunk Nation, we have no idea when a Beloit casino might be built. Now, the legislature might know because they have all the plans put together, but all of that info was tucked away in executive session. We hope. I seem to remember under the Constitution, I believe this type of operation falls under the auspices of the executive branch. But hazily, at best, I seem to recall the legislature wresting control of the casino project away from the executive branch and putting it under their control. Now, for conversational purposes... Let's take the temporary Rockford Casino 2023 earnings into account. $69 million for the year in a modest 600 machine temporary casino. That breaks down to about $5.75 million per month. If the Beloit Casino had a temporary structure operating in May of 2023, that theoretically might have provided the nation with a revenue infusion in eight months of $46 million. As I've said earlier, Governor Evers gave his concurrence in March of 2021. For reasons unknown to the Ho-Chunk people, the matter was returned to the BIA for final approval, giving the nation 14 months because the, because the BIA gave final approval in May of 2022. It could be logically argued that to date, the legislature has forfeited about $46 million because of its complete lack of planning. And that said, some adds, you know, breaks down to a possible $5.7 million a month. And that's just using data from the 600 machine temporary facility. The United States 118th Congress has demonstrated to the citizens of this country its near complete inability to create any lasting legislation. They have accomplished virtually nothing. The Ho-Chunk Nation rivals this near absence of meaningful action for its constituency by enacting no discernible legislation that, quote, helps the people, unquote. The 118th Congress has one excuse that Ho-Chunk Nation's legislature doesn't have. Congress is divided by two competing political parties and ideology. The Ho-Chunk Nation's legislature is all on the same team. In an area where the legislature possesses highly questionable constitutional authority developing a casino, they have failed their constituency by slow playing the development of the Beloit Casino and depriving the Ho-Chunk people of at least $5.75 million per month since May of 2023, or $46 million, if you will. Now, the legislature is considering passing this abomination back to the executive branch. Really? If I was sitting in the big chair, and I'm not, but if I was, and I was considering taking the Beloit project back, I would want the legislature to publicly publish all the work they have done 
and the money they have spent, all the timetables of when they received information, and who was privy to this information, and who, if anyone, has received contracts on this project already. I wouldn't want this heaping pile stinking up my desk or my administration. The nation has theoretically lost $46 million and a potential for so much more in the coming months when the Beloit Casino Project would have been completed. And there are rumors, unsubstantiated of course, but rumors of the executive and the legislative branches giving themselves pay raises. For what? I suggest our legislature, that they all run for U.S. Congress. They are all more than qualified. Over the years, I have clamored for a more open and transparent government, only to be told that there are nefarious organizations and individuals who prey on small nations such as ours. And then these people use this information to sabotage our efforts or steal the very ideas we have and use these ideas to enrich themselves to our detriment. I don't think I've ever heard an example of this happening, but I'm just a naive country bumpkin and I don't move in the fast world of the tribal office building. So I guess there's a lot of subterfuge and nefarious goings on with rival indigenous governments and evil corporation corporate executives, especially in Black River. Well, with the million-dollar transactions going on every day, I guess this is a major problem. This is probably the main reason why so much of our legislators' work is done in an executive session, and there are no sunset provisions in this operating in their operating procedures. I wouldn't be good if uh, others. It wouldn't be good if others knew the machinations of our operations, along with our deliberations. I remember somebody standing up in our last general council and suggesting that we try to cur curtail executive sessions and create a sunset provision, so that everything except personal matters, everything discussed in executive session, would be revealed to the nation at a later date. But we like the secret squirrel stuff. So we handily voted it down. Personally, I like the idea of serious limitations on executive sessions and a, and a sunset provision. I think if the idea was brought up at a general council, it would be voted down again. So I think the strategy has to be to craft bulletproof legislation and begin to circulate it at legislative area meetings and possibly publishing a copy of said legislation in the WODOC. Of course, this would mean me having to attend legislative meetings, area meetings, on a regular basis, which would mean I would have to make an effort. Oh, well, I suppose. I didn't want to talk about um, executive sessions, to be honest. I wanted to talk about our legislators' lack of effort at explaining what they want to accomplish besides the ubiquitous help the people phrase. I realize that if you're a direct family or a close friend of the legislature's, they're talking to you about what they're trying to do or who's stopping them from doing what they want to do or they don't know how to accomplish something. Here's the rub. What if you're not close to said legislators or you're not close to the tribal office building? Then you're SOL. One of the things I've noticed over the years is that we have 13 legislators who operate in the dark for the most part. 
a large part, to be honest. My mom, my brother, Chunis, Degas, Chokas, and Nanis have been legislators and even presidents of this great nation. But to a person, I never knew what their dreams, schemes, or plans were for the nation. I never had any inkling of what really motivated them or what specifically they wanted to accomplish for themselves, their family, or their people. Now, when I say operate in the dark, I don't mean that they're stumbling, bumbling, and fumbling their way through their gig, though some obviously have done so and are presently doing so. No, I mean I don't know what they want to do with the responsibility and the opportunity. Now, in case any of our legislators are unaware of this thing, it's called the media. Now, there is also a social media. Now, using one or the other, information can be conveyed and shared throughout the nation. Now, I don't understand why, but legislators are not allowed on this particular platform. This has always struck me as strange, but... I get it. I think. The legislature wants to control information and how it's disseminated. A unified and cohesive front, as it were. Okay, I'm a big boy. I can deal with that. Seems rather silly, but there it is. But here's a question. Why can't individual legislators pen articles or post YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, or Facebook videos articulating their goals? As a legislator, apparently there is some LOA amendment that says thou shalt not discuss Ho-Chunk business in the public arena. Okay, cool. But there is not an LOA amendment law or anything that prohibits legislators from publicly discussing their hopes, dreams, and schemes for the nation. The only reason not to do this is if you have only one idea and you don't want to share it because if someone else will steal it, then you're simply an empty vessel. Or you're already an empty vessel and you're just stealing whole chunk money by being a placeholder. I'm sure we have legislators who want to help individual Ho-Chunks pursue dreams that they want to pursue. What about Ho-Chunk Healing Camp and Healing Center? I'm sure we have legislators who back this initiative. Why can't you pen an article extolling the virtues of such an endeavor and what the Ho-Chunk Nation could do to push these things across the finish line? Or just keep it in a public eye. You tell us why this is a good idea. Why, what needs to happen? Who and what needs to be done and how you as an individual and the legislator can help? To be brutally honest and expose my own ignorance, I have no idea about this particular issue. Where it sits, who's pushing this initiative, how many people are being helped. I'm simply using this as an example of what a legislature, legislator could do to draw attention to a particular idea. The legislator doesn't have to expose the machinations of the legislature on this or any issue. They simply shine a light on a particular issue that they feel strongly on. You say, maybe they do this behind closed doors. And I retort that this is a problem. Our leadership cannot simply operate this way. Open and transparent leadership is what we were promised when this government was established. And this is not what we are getting. 
My message is simple. How about every legislator gets assigned to write an article in the Wodok about a particular issue that they are passionate about? Our chief executive pens an editorial every so often, and it's widely read. Hell, he posted a Facebook video and it racked up oodles and oodles of views. So, people are interested in the thoughts of our leadership. So what's the big idea about sharing some of those thoughts publicly? I'm sure we have legislators who want to focus their time on our language, on Ho-Chunk housing, on our veterans, and our children. I know darn good and well we have a legislator who wants to focus on our businesses. So why doesn't the legislative body afford these people the opportunity to publicly discuss and outline what they'd like to do with their time as legislators? I mean, seriously, if some of our legislators can find the time to advance their educational bona fides or work on their careers during their downtime, surely they can post a video or pen an article articulating their dream schemes and plans, right? While we're on this topic for articulating thoughts, another thought just walked that vacuous space I call a brain. Might we get legislators, not the legislative attorney, but legislators, might we get them to explain what they've done and what they hope to accomplish with legislation that they posted for 45-day review? Now, I'm sure they'll retort that it's right there in black and white for us to read. And they would be absolutely and 100% correct. It is right there for us. But as a legislator, didn't you craft this legislation? So you could bring it to life for us. Or at least me, honestly. I'm as slow as they come. And I need a lot of help understanding what was being changed or created and why these changes were necessary. I say they could explain these things in writing because... I've been at meetings where a question is asked and the legislator says they don't know, but they'll look into it and return with an answer. With the legislator sitting down with the text of the changes, they'll be able to swiftly and simply explain what was changed and why it needed to be changed, thereby not, thereby not only keeping within the letter of the law, but also the spirit of the law. And isn't this what our legislators really want to do? help their people. So there it is. Uh, a couple of ideas for the legislature and individual legislators to kick around. A. Have individual legislators communicate with their constituents by posting what motivates them every morning when they come into work. What is or are their goals or ambitions for the nation? Just going through the motions isn't in our legislatures, I'm sure. No, you stood in front of your family and your nation. You publicly stated you wanted to help your people. Well, 12 of you did. So, share with us, what are your schemes, dreams, goals, and ambitions? I'm not asking you to be a jerk. I'm not asking you simply for me to be a jerk, okay? I sincerely want to know what drives you, each of you. You each have to have tangible goal or goals. So what are they? What is it? Two, every time legislation is posted publicly on a website under the 45-day public comment period, I would like to have a legislator explain to us what the legislation hopes to accomplish and show us the changes and how they were arrived at. 
legislators, not the legislative attorney. I'm sure his to-do list is quite full. Well, it better be for the money we're paying him. Anyways, that's it. A kitty with a high paint. Here we sit almost six months removed from our last general council, and I was wondering if the legislature had published anything on a status on the attorney for the general council. I mean, I checked with the office of the general council, and they said, nope, no money or attorney. How come? Well, now the office of the general council sent out a notice explaining in black and white what they were trying to accomplish, get a full-time attorney for the general council, of course, and how they were being thwarted by the Ho-Chunk Nation's attorney general and the Department of Justice. According to our Constitution, which, to be honest, is rarely ignored by darn near everyone, Fail to honor a budget modification are grounds upon which individuals can and should be legally charged for failure to comply with the law. Why is it so hard for our legislature to do the right thing and give our general counsel the funds which they have requested so they can hire an attorney so that our GC resolutions can be acted upon by our legislature? Remember, remember our legislature, those people who ran on the promise of, quote, helping their people, unquote, and who are instead trying to capture the only check on their power. How long has the general counsel been trying to get an attorney, and how long has the legislature been fighting this attempt? Why? Aren't we all one nation, and aren't we all one family? If the legislature doesn't want the general counsel to have an attorney, then tell us your plan. What is the legislature's plan to advance all the resolutions that our general counsel has passed. When it came time to get rid of the general counsel agency, man, they acted faster than white on rice. And that wasn't even a legal resolution, but that didn't stop them from acting then. If the legislature doesn't want the general counsel to hire, have an attorney, then explain to us all, why not? Thank you for listening.